Great. I just want to begin by saying thank you so much for having me, um, Rich and Kath, and to all of all of the All Saints family in this body here. I, I deeply appreciate the just actually the opportunity just to be here with you all again. We were here last year um, on the choir tour. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to open up by saying thank you so much. Um, my wife and my little son Noah, they send their love. Um, it's hard being away from family. Everyone kind of thinks it's a bit of a dream and you can have lots of fun if you get to go off and travel, but um, I think one FaceTime later and a lot of tears, you realize, oh my goodness, this is not quite as easy as we thought. Um, so I miss home and, uh, and I miss the children not playing in our garden with us. Um, I miss Live Village and I miss South Africa, but I'm, I'm so privileged to be here with you guys. And um, I just feel like God's laid some, some stuff on my heart for, for this body. Um, I'm sharing this morning and this evening, um, and I, I would hope and I would, I would trust both strategic messages for, for this body as you go forward. Um, so yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. Um, I deeply appreciate it. And I mean, how can you interview these guys before I have to speak? I'm an absolute mess, but um, just bless you guys and honor you for, for your journey and for adoption and fostering God's heart. It's the Father's heart, and, um, and I love that. Um, okay, so uh, I asked if we could read from, from the book of Joshua, and the reason being is I felt God's given me a word for you guys for the season that you're going to be going into, um, and it was really just to, to enter into a space of saying, well, um, when, when the Israelites had gone from Egypt through the, promi- uh, through, through the desert and into the promise, and before they entered in and Moses had passed away, God called Joshua and he said, you are going to lead these people. And really what he was saying to him was, get these people into a formation so that when they cross over, they're going to have success. They're going to be strategically positioned within themselves so that they're actually able to do what it is that I'm calling them to do, so they will overcome the giants that are going to be in the promised land. And so... Um, I would just like to, to just read this word for you if you, if you guys are, are happy with that. Um, and then I'll, I'll speak into hopefully some strategic ways in which you can, you can journey this as a body. Um, this, is, this is what I felt the Holy Spirit say. Um, I see a fresh expression of the faithful city arising, a time to get into formation, both within yourselves and as a body. I see carriers of light dispersing into dark pockets of the city and a place of refuge being birthed. The land which has been promised is going to bear fruit from seeds planted long ago by faithful mothers and fathers of this city. There is a shift in unity coming in the body of Christ and opportunities to serve together. You will carry hope as a torch to light the way and peace will reign in this city once more. I hear, give me your all and I will make it more. Don't be afraid to be planted for future generations, that they would be your fruit. Count yourselves in. The city is your inheritance to walk in the way of love and establish my kingdom. Seek me and I will revive the breathlessness in your lungs. What you breathe out will become life-giving. I will establish through you a graced inheritance for a city of light. Nothing is impossible. Dream with me. I am the great I am. Amen. Amen. So, um, yeah, just as, we, just as we get into it, I, I really just feel looking into, looking into the life of David 
and, and looking at what it means to be um, sent to the hillside and what that's meant in my life and how I've kind of journeyed through that. And um, essentially because I feel like the, when, you know, in the word where it says about getting into formation both within yourselves and, and as a body, I feel like this morning I just want to give some tools as to how to get into formation within ourselves um, because as you advance and as you go to certain places um, and as this body moves forward, there are going to be certain people who are raised up and they're going to be certain people who might not still be seen or feel seen. Um, there might be certain people who are on specific journeys and, and working through their, their stuff as, as we all have to continually do. But I just feel like if, if, we can, if I can release some of this stuff to you, it's gonna, it's gonna give some understanding so that where different individuals can find themselves at any given moment, actually that's gonna be able to help propel you into the next season to remain in unity with the body. Because um, that's essentially what we, what we really need is unity in the body of Christ. Um, and so the first thing that I, I want to say is don't despise your story. Um, if we're thinking about the life of David, um, you know, David grew up in, in Jesse's home and from an early age, I would imagine a very early age because he was described as a young man, he was sent out into the fields while all of his brothers were at home with dad and having an amazing time in the inheritance which dad had created and there's young David who just gets sent out to the fields and it's almost like, it's almost like they don't care about him because when, when, the, prophet, when the prophet comes to, to anoint the next king of Israel, actually what happens is he, all, of the, all of the brothers pass before him and he's like, it's none of these. Is there anyone else? Say, oh, there is the one who's tending the sheep like David was forgotten about. And I just wonder how many of us, whether it's within this, within this body or within, whether in, in this world or whether in your job or whatever it is you're doing, I wonder how many of us are feeling sometimes like that young boy David who's been left out on the hillside by himself. But the thing that I love about David is that he didn't, he didn't use the hillside as a place to feel sorry for himself and just kind of wallow in misery, but actually he used it and he let God use it and to be something incredible for him. And so um, I want to say don't despise your story um, because, you know, David chose to do something while he was on the hillside, which I believe Jesus experienced in his baptism. Because when Jesus was baptized in Matthew 3, um, the voice from heaven said, this is my son, giving him his identity, whom I love, giving him his acceptance, and with him I'm well pleased. He affirmed who he was. And I think, you know, in seasons on the hillside, I think what our tendency is to do is when we start to go into feeling a little bit sorry for ourselves, we kind of neglect our identity our acceptance and our affirmation and we kind of we can look for it in other places and I, and I think we that's when we really begin to struggle so I want to say that as you go into as you go into this next season don't despise your individual story don't neglect what it is that God has has sent you off to the hillside for when he he's often tells me now I'm going to send you to the hillside son I think flipping heck because it's hard on the hillside. No one sees you on the hillside. No one hears your prayers on the hillside apart from him. That's if we choose to pray. When we're sent out to the hillside, no one's, no one's going to affirm who we are. No one's going to protect us. Because on the hillside is where we really learn who we really are and whose we really are. 
And so I just want to um, say, like, uh, some of you might know this, um, live at the, at the village where we are. We were in a community of around 10 to 15,000 people around us, and um, we had a riot this year. Um, and I say it very flippantly, like, it was the most scary thing I've ever seen in my life. It was like a movie. Um, we essentially had all that we'd built and invested into for five or six years. Everything threatened because of a group of about 500 people who, were, who broke down two gates and actually entered into the village. And if it wasn't for the prayer and intercession of our children and mothers, then actually they, they could have done whatever they basically wanted to. Um, and, and the thing is, when we found ourselves in that hillside space, what you choose to do with yourself when you face persecution or you face challenges or you face trials, um, I think that's what God will choose to use in, your, in the, the place where you position your heart, the place where you plant your heart. Um, and so obviously it was, it was an incredibly difficult time for, for us as a village, but the one thing that I really loved is that um, there was an amazing scripture in Second Chronicles where King Jehoshaphat um, is going into a war and, and they actually say this, it actually says this in the Bible, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I've been thinking, God, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to do this. God, I don't know what to do, so I feel like I'm going to do that, or I feel like I should do this. And actually, he just told us, hold, he told us, stand firm, because sometimes in the kingdom of God, standing firm looks like advancing. We don't always have to be moving forward or feeling like we're moving forward to advance in the kingdom. Sometimes advancing looks like standing firm. And so we chose to stand firm together and we chose to replant our identity in who he is to us and who we are in him. And from that place of worship and prayer, we experienced incredible victory. And so I just want to encourage you all that as you, as you go through this season, don't despise your story. Embrace it. Embrace your story. Don't, don't neglect the process that God can take you through. Embrace it. Because what actually happens is in 1 Samuel 16, 12, when David gets brought out, they say, the Bible says that then they brought him in and he was glowing and, and he was a fine appearance. Just before this, the Bible says that it, God doesn't look at the appearance of man, but he actually looks at the heart. So what, why would the Bible then affirm say they brought him in and he was glowing? See, I, I, I think what David had cultivated on the hillsides was he'd learned to carry something. He learned to carry something that unless, that unless he was sent to the hillside, he would have never been given the opportunity to do so. And I believe what he carried in was victory. And he had two opportunities. He could either carry in victory or he could carry in defeat. And I think that when he carried in victory, that was the glow. And that was why Samuel knew this is the one that I must anoint and says, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. And so I just want to ask you guys, what, what do we carry on a daily basis? Because whether we like it or not, we carried, we carried atmosphere, we carried culture into this building. When we leave, we carry the culture that we've cultivated in our hearts. And I just wonder, you know, uh, Rich was just saying last night, and he was saying that we, we, we meet here, and then we go, and then we meet again, and we go, and we meet again, and we go, and we meet here, and we, we cultivate something beautiful, a heart of worship, and of, of acceptance, and of unity, and of family, and of oneness. I love it about this family. I love being back here. It's like, it's like my second home. 
But the reality is on Monday morning when you wake up, what you cultivate in your heart and what you carry into the place where you have influence. I mean, has anyone ever prayed a prayer like, God, I would love to see you break out in that place. I would love to see that dark place have light shining in it. And then did anyone hear the answer? Actually, that's you. But my fear is for the church and for the body of Christ that we don't take the time to acknowledge the Christ in us and the light in us, that actually the impact that we have, if we knew who we carried in us on a daily, momentary basis, we would see transformation beyond our dreams. Beyond our dreams. That's why I feel like in this word that God's given, it's like there's light dispersing because you are the light. You are the light because he lives inside of you. And so, I'm definitely off my notes now. Um, <laughs> so, I want, to I want to encourage you, cultivate in your life a, a carrying of victory. Like David did, because David could have been on the hillside. Woe is me, poor me, the young David... No one sees these lions coming for this sheep. No one sees these bears coming for these sheep. No one else wants to lie down and protect them. No one else wants to go and collect the one and bring it back. No one else wants to take the time to let them learn my voice so that they can come and they can know who I am. But he didn't say that. He embraced everything on the hillside. He let God cultivate his identity. I mean, have you read the Psalms? I mean, like, identity doesn't always look like, oh, God, you are the best thing ever, and there's no worries in my life. Like, if you read the Psalms, identity looks like, where are you? I don't feel you. Identity also looks like you've loved me with an unfailing love. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Those who trust in the Lord lack no good thing. So I want to encourage us, when God gives us an opportunity to go onto the hillside and learn who we are and whose we are, don't negate that journey. Enjoy it. It is hard. But we didn't sign up for easy. I don't know if you've read this. You read the Gospels. Jesus didn't say, follow me and everything will be easy. We've got to follow his, you know, if you look at the life of Jesus, he started in heaven and he came down to earth and he saved his way to dying a criminal's death on a cross. And we want to do the opposite thing. We want to start as criminals and sinners and work our way up to be seated in, in the heavenly places, whereas actually the biblical model is not that. The biblical model is spiraling down. It's not spiraling up. And the only way we're going to continue to spiral down is if we find ourselves on a hillside with no other option but to say, you are enough. The fact that you could say that graced your family and created an inheritance beyond yours and your wife's and your child's wildest imaginations. Because it, it, the reality is, when we, when we give him permission, we have to choose to be planted. And to be planted means to be put on the ground <laughs> and be watered and be compressed by soil. I'll get more into that just now. Just now. There's my first South African referring of today. Um, and I just want to read you this quickly. Um, 
uh, about a, a man. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a, a very inspirational, very inspirational story. Um, it's from this book. Paul Wilcox gave it to me a long time ago. A call to no holds barred discipleship. Read it at your own risk. Um, so it says. The next great in our list of, is a man who made a disastrous first attempt in the world of business. He switched to politics, but within only one year, that didn't work out either. He tried his hand for a second time at business, but failed again. That meant three failures in three years. He proposed to his fiancée after four years of courtship. She turned him down. Another woman he was courting died sometime later. All these pressures led to a nervous breakdown, which required two years of um, convalescence. I don't even know what that means. Um, after which, he relaunched his aborted political career with a bid to be elected as a speaker of the House of Representatives. He failed. He was again defeated two years later for the position of elector. Another three years after this, he was defeated as he ran for a seat in Congress. After five years passed, before he saw office again, but he was defeated. Tragically, his four-year-old son died during this time. That led to seven years in the wilderness before running for Senate to no avail. Things looked more positive the following year when he was nominated by his party as their vice presidential candidate, but his running mate and himself were defeated in the general election. He failed two years later when trying again for a seat in the Senate. However, another two years later, in 1860, after 24 years of dogged perseverance, Abraham Lincoln was elected as the 16th president of the United States of America. <laughs> yes, wow. Just embraced perseverance. And the thing that I want to I talk into now around that is, um, I feel like when we come to Jesus or, or we find big moments in our life, we give a big yes and, and we kind of hope that that's what will carry us through. The reality is, and I, I, I believe this, um, I believe that consistency is the most underrated thing in the kingdom of God. Um, I believe that if we continue to give small yeses on a daily basis, I believe he will take his glory in our lives. I believe if we give one big yes and then expect everything else to be done for us, then I don't think we'll get very far very quickly. Um, in fact, I think we'll probably end up going backwards. And so I want to encourage you that in the journey of being on the hillside, giving your small, consistent yes is actually the most important thing. Um, because if you actually look at uh, if you actually look at Psalm 23, you know David was David was when he goes to the battle and he meets his brothers there. They actually say to him, "Why why are you not looking after those few sheep?" But let me tell you this: if David hadn't learned to give his consistent yes to those few sheep, he wouldn't have become the shepherd of Israel. If you don't learn to be consistent in the small, how are you going to be trusted with larger? Jesus talks about it in Luke 16. If you're not faithful with the, with the small things, how are you going to be trusted with more? And so we find ourselves in these hillside moments where we're like, oh my goodness, God, what is going on? And he's saying, all I want is small yeses. And we think that we have to come to a place, and there's nothing wrong with these big places as well, where we say, God, we surrender everything, because I think the small yeses actually lead to that moment, and that's what makes it so powerful. But I don't think that we, we should seek these big moments, which is, which is why I want to also, the next point that I want to make is that um, 
what, what we learn to have victory over in the private, when you bring it into the public, it's more of who you are and you get to exercise your victory in those spaces. If David hadn't have learned to kill lions and bears in the private where no one else is looking. Can you imagine, men in here, can I just ask, if you killed a lion or a bear, if you killed a lion or a bear, would you not want to run to everyone else and say, you'll never guess what I've just done? I'm taking from the chuckles that that is a yes. But the reality is, all he chose to do, I could like almost imagine him killing a lion or killing a bear, saying, okay, now my sheep, let's go again. And I think, you know, as we, as we're in this space of of wanting to, like our culture is all about the big moments, it's all about the, the movie style moments, and, and it's actually all about performance. And um, what you can display in public, don't worry about whether it's true in private. So basically it's saying perform but have no integrity, have no transparency. Whereas actually the biblical model is, have transparency before him and what he gives you victory in. Walk in that, carry that into whatever spaces you go to, whether it's continually public or continually private, and be who you were made to be. Don't worry about putting on a show for the rest of the world. Like, show your best and hide the rest. That's what the world teaches us. That's what social media, although it's an incredibly powerful platform, actually what social media can teach us to do is just show our best and then we hide the rest. Because what that actually then teaches us to do is to not go through the journey of giving small, consistent yeses. It actually just makes us come to a place where we're like, okay, well, I've proved to the rest of the world that this is who I am. Have you ever wondered, like, if I was to get a camera out now and take a picture, who would smile? Most of you would smile, right? Yeah. Because we have to perform. It's not good enough for me to just take a picture of you now and for you not to look happy. But the reality is you could be happy in your heart. How often are we performing for culture when actually we're not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with smiling in photos. I think it's a good thing. If it's a reflection of where you really are. I mean, how many times have you ever had a photo that someone says, smile, and you're like, I don't want to. <laughs> I think the kingdom gives us incredibly raw moments of saying yes to something and it's a yes in our hearts and I think that if we if we negate the journey that we can actually take with those small yeses and we wait for because it's like you know there's things that we all want to make good decisions in, and, and I think one of the things that we find ourselves doing is um, we hope that in that moment I would make this choice, and we expect that because this is what the movies have taught us is to be a big drum roll, and the soundtrack is coming in, and the smoke comes, and the rain starts to fall, but that doesn't happen in my life for me to make those big choices because they're actually backed by small yeses that I've already given my answer whether I'm going to agree to something or whether I'm not. And so consistency on the hillside, being chosen to be planted and giving your yes to him will take care of the bigger picture. But often we look and we're like, this big picture, how am I going to get there? How am I going to do this? How am I going to overcome this circumstance? 
I mean, if David knew that for, for like, I don't know, let's just say for argument's sake, 15 years he was going to be on the hillside on day one, do you think, oh my goodness, how am I going to do 15 years of this? Or would you start and say, okay, God, this is where I'm at. I know it's not where I'm going to stay, but I'm going to give you my yes in this moment, and I'm going to continue to do it for the rest of this journey, however long it may take. I mean, how else did Joseph come through what Joseph did? powerful thing in, um, in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and, and verse 52. Here's the other thing is that when we learn to have victory in the private and we bring it into the public, when David, when David who had overcome lions and bears in private came into the public, he actually went to serve. I don't know whether you know this. He went to take his brother's cheese. <laughs> he didn't go to fight Goliath. And that's another thing. You never know when the next giant is coming. You may go to serve. But the key is that serving gives us the opportunity to overcome those giants when they come. So when David goes out to the battle lines and he goes to give his brother's cheese and he sees this Goliath, because of what he's cultivated in the private, to him in the public, it's just who he is. And so he goes down and he slays Goliath. And then, and this is, the, this is a beautiful thing, and I believe this is why it's the kingdom, because it's generational. When, David's, when, when David killed Goliath, the Israelites found their voice. When you overcome in the private and you bring that victory into the public, you give other people going through those same things the, the, the excuse to find their voice, the reason to find their voice, the purpose of them being able to speak out, because the Bible says when they saw that David had killed Goliath, the Israelites went crazy and they chased, um, they chased the Philistine army away. Because when we take time for ourselves and our relationship with God to overcome in the private, when we take that into the public, you will see other people find their voice. These guys will walk alongside other couples who will also want to adopt. Why? Because they took time in the private to overcome and then they're going to walk into the public and other people are going to be able to find their voice because them. I wonder what your story is and what hope you could bring and what light and life you could impart in Worcester and beyond based on what you choose to overcome in your private. But we don't really want to do that because it's a lot harder and it takes a lot longer. And the last thing, how long have I got? Five minutes. Okay. Okay. Well, don't say that. Um, <laughs> um, the last thing is that when you, when you go, go in your own armor. So just before David went to go and fight Goliath, if you turn to 1 Samuel 17 and verse 38, what actually happens is Saul, um, Saul puts his tunic on David and he gives him his sword and he dresses him up as if he was Saul. The difficult thing for David was he's not Saul. He's David, and he hadn't overcome anything in Saul's armor or Saul's clothing. He'd overcome what he'd overcome with the anointing of God, which was already upon him. And we live in, we live in a, such a comparative society. We live in such a, a, a time where it's not good enough for us to look forward. We have to look right and left and behind more than we look forward. How many times do we check our past to realize, is this really who I am? 
Or if I'm not really like this person, if I'm not really like this, but I see this person doing this, I can't pray like that person. Oh, I, I say good. Thank God you can't pray like each other. But I can't, I can't speak the same way that that person speaks publicly. Thank God. I can't prophesy the way that... Thank God you can't prophesy the way that someone else... I can't evangelize the way that someone else does. Thank God. Because if we were all the same, what's the need for the body of Christ? And so, as we go into these spaces where we... Where we're exercising, when I say victory, I just mean who you, who Jesus set you free to be. I'm not talking about like, you know, we have to ride in valiantly and say, I have overcome this. Just like being alive in Jesus is what I really mean. Being the you that you were made to be. All that Jesus has paid the cost for so that we can see his kingdom come and his will be done. In, whether it's in Worcester or South Africa, whether we can support each other from afar, which we do. I had this problem. I'm going to be super vulnerable because I actually think it's really healthy. So on the village, um, so I mean, my wife and I, Karita, we have a huge privilege. We co-lead the village with another couple called Chester and Atti. And Chester and Atti are a, a closer couple, and they're from the, they're from the, um, the Cape. And, and they moved over to Durban, and um, and there was a, there was a time where Titch and Jones started to talk about the next leaders on the village. Sat up very straight, <laughs> made sure I was listening, and that Baba Smith could see that my eyes were always on him, always trying to be in the space where I would be seen. In my head, not outwardly, in my head and my heart, always trying to prove that. Hmm, I think this is probably going to come down to me in Chester. So if I can just show this, then actually maybe I'll be... Because that's it. They were saying, we're looking for the next Joshua. <laughs> I'm not Joshua. That's a hard lesson when you're trying to chase being like someone else. You're trying to be in competition with the next person because actually you think that that's where you're going to really find your worth. And so I went on this journey for a year. Like me and Chesie, were, like he's my brother. I love him. Like, you will not find a bigger fan of Chester Koyana than me. And maybe his wife, but she kind of has to be. Um, so I went on this journey of like, we got handed the leadership of the village, and we were told that you guys are going to take this village into the next season, which is like, I'm 28 years old. I can't even look after myself. How am I going to look after 350 people on a daily basis? Like, this is crazy. And they said, and Chester's, Chester's going to be the main leader, and we want you guys to support. Like, ooh, ouch. But the thing was, Chester moved up to the top offices, because we worked in a school together, and we were both sports coaches. And he moved up to the top offices, and he sat opposite Titch, and he spent all the time with Titch, and I was still there with the children. Like, ugh. But over that year, God taught me who I was. He taught me to embrace the gift that I am to the village and the gift I am to the body of Christ. And if I hadn't have chosen to give my small yes, which is painful, because you have to choose to be a seed and be pushed under the ground and have dirt pushed on your head and water come in and you can't see where you're going and you can't feel as if light is going to break through and you don't know when you're going to grow into what you feel like you should be. But I chose to do it. 
And I started to understand the gift that I was supposed to be to the body of Christ, not just Live Village, because the kingdom is much bigger than Live. But the reality is, if we're always looking to be like other people, and we don't ever recognize the gift that we are, let me just tell you straight, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body of Christ, and where one hurts, all are hurting. So if you don't know the gift that you are to this body, then we all hurt. And if I don't know the gift that I am, then this congregation is going to hurt. And so I want to assure you, I want to encourage you, take time to realize the gift that you are to this body. And don't worry about looking right or left. Yeah, but this person's older. This person is wiser. This person, like I said, prays in a certain way or does a certain thing. Or this person always gets acknowledged and I feel like I don't. You're on the hillside. Enjoy it as best you can. Because I think, like I said before, David learned to carry something from those spaces back into public. And um, I I, want to tell you this, and I can say this because I'm in and out is that um, if you are, which I believe you are, God is taking you to another season of what promised land living is going to look like. I'm going to speak about um, keys in the promised land tonight. Um, but it, I believe that God's taken you into a, into a new season on a new, not a new journey, because I, I think you've been incredibly well led and I, I, like I honor you guys. Like I, if I could be anywhere else in the world, I would be here. Um, I think if... If, you, if you're going to start to break into new ground and you're going to take new territory, it's going to take every single one of you to know what your armor is. And if you're a shepherd with a sling, then that's fine. Because if David had gone in Saul's clothes, <laughs> I think we know the end of the story. But the reality is, if we... If we my, one of my things that I feel like God has put on my heart is to, to tell the body of Christ how beautiful she is, the bride of Christ, how beautiful she is, and to, and to encourage her to be all that she was made to be. So when, I, when, when we hear stories of, of different bodies or churches hurting, like it hurts because, I mean, Jesus is coming back for us. I don't know whether we really realize that or we think it, but he's actually going to come back. Someone very wise once said, and I remember him saying this, he said, I suggest that we get on with being the bride that we were made to be because I believe that Jesus will probably come back sooner the sooner that she's ready. That was you. I don't know if you remember saying that. <laughs> but I, and I, and I want to tell you the, the life on the other side of this journey too. Um, because when we, when we went through this riot that we had on the village, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had 500 people knocking down your door and telling you you're going to kill all the white people. Um, that's not so fun. Um, and, and if I didn't know the gift that I was to live village, I'm not sure I would still be there. And I, and I, I want to say that throughout that time, And this is probably going to sound like a bit of a wild thing to say. It is, and I don't mind. I've shared it with a few people who I've been chatting with. I would rather be alive in persecution than just be Sunday to Sunday. I want to say this politely. 
you know, um, people, Jeff just asked me, you know, what's it like in South Africa with the hijackings? And what? I said, we're not safe anywhere. If we don't think persecution is coming, I'm, I'm telling you it's, it's on your door. And if the body of Christ is not ready for persecution, we're going to suffer. And I think the best way that we can address persecution is being like, I've never, that, that week and a half where we, we literally had like 15 police cars on the village, people, police officers walking outside my house with AK-47s. We like literally had an evacuation plan from everyone on the village. Like 1.7 million rands worth of damage was done to our homes. Not actually the homes of the mums and children, but the, the property around the village. Like everything was threatened. And we were on absolute edge. But that's where we realized the gift that we were to the body. And I've actually come, I've actually come to a place where I would actually prefer to be in persecution than to be comfortable. And it's coming for us all. And so what I want to encourage us as the body is to say, guys, just like David, if you're sent out to the hillside, embrace it. Don't despise it. Don't, well, you can ask why, but don't ask why for too long because you probably won't get an answer until you start giving your yes. Once you start to give him your yes, I mean, goodness knows what's going to happen. I, I really, just as, just as I've socialized with, with different people around, around this body and um, obviously the different people that I already had relationship with um, from the, the four, five, four and a half years that I was here, um, I'm excited for Worcester. I'm excited for Worcester. And if you want to get excited for Worcester, I suggest that you look in the mirror. Because you guys will be the change. I, I really believe that. And Karita and I, we, we cheer you on from afar. So nice to be involved in a celebration last night where people of all ages were celebrated. <laughs> That's quite rare. I don't know if you know that. It's quite rare that celebration would happen for people of all ages and valuing everyone's part and everyone's gift that they are to this body. I really believe the special times are coming for Worcester. And um, yeah, and I'll be, I'll be praying for Worcester. I love Worcester. I've brought James with me and he also loves Worcester. He's never been before. Um, he was part of our discipleship school last year on the, on the village. Um, but yeah, church, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. Go and be all that he's made you to be. Don't worry about the right and the left. Don't worry about your past. That's taken care of. Jesus can't do any more for us than he already did on the cross. <laughs> so God, if you just, he's already, he's done it all. Set us free. Set us free. And all he asks us to do is follow. I just wanna, yeah, just wanna honor you guys and just say, follow well. Follow really well. Get, in, get into your formation inwardly. Um, tonight I'll talk about the, the body a little bit more and yeah, how those dynamics can, can look. But I just want to say, don't, don't ever turn away from the journey of being able to look inwardly and to grow yourself in him because actually that's what relationship is. I'm about to be a dad again and so I know people keep on saying, are you excited? I'm like, yeah. What are you excited for? Well, it's going to be another journey of learning how to die to myself. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. There is no greater love than to lay, one's, lay down one's life than for a friend. 
what a model we have to, uh, <laughs> to respond to and to follow.